I want you to turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7 in your Bibles. And they'll be showing this, of course, on the screen as well. But the first thing that we want to point out here is that Paul's reference to the mystery of God, to the mystery of God, this will prove to be a secret of God. The word mystery of God is a secret of God. And I'm going to read some verses of Scripture here to you. And A, under 1, Paul's reference to the mystery of God. A is 1 Corinthians 2, 7. And it is from the foundation of the world. It's a secret that God kept from the foundation of the world that Paul understood. And I'm going to read some things up here from, from you from Paul. You say, well, Brother Myers, that's sort of vague to me. I'll give you more scriptures and you can roll away, you can roll away in a wheelbarrow. So we've got a lot of verses to look at. God love you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the, the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So Paul's talking about something here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 7, but he doesn't get into detail about it, about this mystery of God. And to understand it more, I want you to go with me to Romans 16, 25. Romans 16.25, this is where Paul mentions it again in the book of Romans, and he is wrapping up the writings of Romans whenever he talks about it. It's just three or four verses toward the very end of the book, and this is the 25th verse. He says, Now to him that is a power to establish your heart according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Now, Paul talks about it again. He speaks about it. He refers to it. He says, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment, commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the abundance of faith so he is saying here that this mystery which is from the foundation of the world and he just just vaguely mentions it here in Rome at Romans at this point that it is praise the Lord from the foundation of the world and it is to for all nations now I want you to go with me to Ephesians and this is the mystery and Paul reveals it to us here B let me put my pen up here where we can know which uh, numbers and letters we're going by B here. The mystery of God revealed to, uh, to Paul, Ephesians chapter 3. And this is where Paul shows us where how that this mystery was revealed. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3. Chapter 3 and verse 3. How that by revelation... He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, this is what it is, and this, and make sure you underline this in your Bible. This is verse six: is the mystery revealed that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. And what He is saying here is that the Gentiles are to be included as God's people on this earth. And this is a mystery and a secret that God has had from the foundation of the world from the very beginning. So Paul is saying here, and he says it in other places, and we'll read some other scriptures too. He keeps saying here that this mystery of God, God kept it a secret. He kept it sort of under wraps. It is the wisdom of God that goes way back. 
And Paul, of course, at this point in writing these epistles, understood this mystery of God that the Gentiles would be included with the Jews as God's people on this earth. And we would know that, of course, you and I know today as the church. Now, whenever the church was established in the world, that meant that anybody could be saved. Now, before that, the Jews would say you had to be a Jew to be saved. But after Christ came and after Calvary, and after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and so forth, the Lord opened the door to the Gentiles. We'll be looking at this in a few moments. And by that, the Gentiles would become part of this wonderful church age, the Jews first and then the Gentiles included. So he makes this statement here in this sixth verse that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. That is, they are their heirs and their fellow heirs along with the Jews and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that he might know this, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery Let them see that, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the the manifold wisdom of God. So I'm pointing out to you here that Paul is letting us know that he, praise the Lord, understood what this great mystery was and how God was going to do it. Now, uh, I want you to go to part C here. I want to refer to another scripture here. C, and this is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. Ephesians 6, 9, if you'll turn there with us. And this is Paul somewhat referring to the same mystery that he has been alluding to here all along and now explaining Verse 19, and for me, that utterance, he's saying, now pray for me that I'll have the boldness to speak this mystery without any kind of fear or failure to do so. He says here, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. All right, I'm going to get into this a little bit further here. And this mystery, of course, was prophesied by Isaiah. Look at D here, Isaiah 42, 1. Look at this, if you will, with me. Isaiah 42, 1. Now, this first verse in chapter 42 is a prophetic verse concerning Jesus Christ when he would come. I'm going to read it to you here. This is... Uh, Isaiah 42, 1. Behold my servant. This is Jesus now. Whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. I'm jumping down to verse 4. I'm just saving time here. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he, he have set judgment in the earth. This is when Jesus came. And the isles, that's the Greeks, shall wait for his law. Thus saith God, the Lord. This is the God of the Old Testament. The word Lord there is all capital letters. See that, L-O-R-D? And that's referring to God by name. That's his, his, Lord is not his name, but it's a substitute for his name. And his name is the I am. I won't get into that part of it, but this word Lord, when you see all capital letters like that, it refers to the statement about God as the I am. He that created the heavens and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and cometh uh, out of it. I'm reading in the fifth verse now. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. Look at verse six. I, the Lord, have called 
thee, speaking of Jesus now, in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. And what this is is a prophecy of the coming of Christ and that it would be a light to the Gentiles. And this is how the Gentiles will be saved and come into the, what we call today the church or into the body of Christ or into the family of God. Now look at verse 7. To open the blind eyes. We know that he did that. To bring out of prison the prisons and them that sit in darkness out of prison. Now I'm jumping to verse 9. Behold, the former things are come to pass. And new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Now this is recorded here in Isaiah 42 concerning Jesus coming and the Lord bringing forth now the saving of these Gentiles. That would be as he brings out in verse 6 here for a light of the Gentiles that they might be saved. Praise the Lord. Now uh, in conjunction with that verse of scripture. I want you to look with me in Isaiah 49, 5, 49, 5. Just stay with me on this for a few minutes here. 49, 5. And this is uh, Isaiah still speaking here along the same subject. Now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, it is light, a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. Now look at this closely here. I will give also, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. This is a prophecy now in Isaiah back in the Old Testament that God was going to one day bring the Gentiles into this wonderful, heavenly, wonderful family of God. I will give them for a light unto the Gentiles that, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, this is all speaking of Jesus, thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, that's Jesus, to, to him whom man despiseth, Jesus, to him whom the nations abhorred, the nation, meaning one nation, which would be Israel, to, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship, because the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Now, let me just comment for a few moments here. I want you to notice this phrase that he mentions here in this uh, seventh verse. King shall see and arise. And what he's talking about is Gentiles being saved. This is something that was very difficult for the Jews to grasp and understand that Gentiles could be saved just like they were going to be God's people. And so this is prophecy coming out of Isaiah. And he prophesied... That whenever the Gentiles would begin to receive Jesus as the Messiah and they would be brought into the family of God and that mystery from the very beginning of time now was going to be revealed that they could be saved as well as the Jews could be saved, then this would bring forth a little commitment, a little promise here that kings shall see and rise. Now, in, in 1742, George Handel wrote the symphony concert Messiah. How many of you are familiar with it? All right, I see, I see a number of hands. He wrote the Messiah. The Messiah had a march at the end of it called the Hallelujah Course. And they sung it and played it and sung it in France, in Austria, in Germany, and it was sort of vague and a little here and there. Okay, this is Handel's new symphony. And he came to England. And they did this symphony in England. And all the people that went to this concert, this, this uh, symphony concert, and this musical, 
and the music that went with it and the, and the uh, singing. And the king, King George II, also went to this concert in England, in London, England. And they did that whole concert, beautiful. And everybody sit there and heard it and watched it and had their little glasses, you know, and, and dignified people and people that liked those kind of concerts and so forth. And I've always, myself, I've always liked symphony music and everything. People know me, know I know that I do. And uh, they came to the Hallelujah Course. And whenever they, you come to that part of it, it's the last stanza. It's about one-fourth of the entire symphony. And they come to that last part, and they play it, and it says, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Da, 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 da. And it really goes on, and it's powerful, and it was all about Hallelujah. And when they got to that and they started singing it, the king of England, King James II, stood up. He stood to his feet. And he would not be seated seated while they were singing that chorus, the hallelujah chorus, in praise to Almighty God and to Jesus Christ. And he stood there. And when the people looked around and saw the king standing, they began to stand up. And they began to stand up all over that auditorium until everybody in that auditorium was standing. And they would not be seated as long as the king was standing. A prophecy being fulfilled right here. Kings shall see and arise. And they all stood up and they played that course on out to the end. Over in Europe, they heard about that. And Handel's symphony was played again in some of these countries, France, Germany, Austria, uh, Belgium. And when they would come to that hallelujah course, they said the king of England stood up, we'll stand up. And kings and those other countries went to hear it. They said, what was it about that course that made King George II stand up? And they heard it and they were inspired and said, it's honor to God. And they stood up. And it came to be that when that symphony is ever played or sung and they come to that course part that everybody stands up. That was in 1742. When I was 19 years old, I was a student at St. Paul, uh, Paul, Minnesota, the Apostolic Bible Institute. And I and some friends went over to Minneapolis one night to hear this symphony orchestra. And I never will forget that when they came to that hallelujah course, the whole audience, the whole congregation, it wasn't a church group, it was just people. They stood on their feet because it had been established by a king way over here in 1742, 275 years ago. Uh, it wasn't that long when I stood up at that time. But I remember us standing up. We looked around, everybody was standing up. And God said to me, we, got to, we need to stand up on this one. I said, yes, yes, absolutely. And when you stand up, you honor God. Because it is a, it is praise unto God. That whole hallelujah chorus is praise unto God. It's a continuous barrage of musical praise unto God. And nobody is supposed to sit down. And to this day, people still stand up, as far as I know. And this was whenever I was a young man, 19 years old, that I experienced it. That to this day, as far as I know, people still stand up when they sing the hallelujah chorus, part of the, the Messiah. Uh, presentation there of that symphony. Now I'm just pointing out to you here, it's prophesied in the book. It's spoken of right here. King shall see and arise. Folks, let me just tell you something. The Bible's got it all covered. It's in the book. And if you read things in the Bible, believe it, trust it. Praise the Lord. And here was a king that stood up, and then other kings stood up, and others, and others, and Noah, none of the kings anymore sat down. Whether they were in Austria, or France, or Germany, or Belgium, or whatever country they were in, they didn't sit down. They would stand up as well. They said, the king of England stood up, we'll stand up as well. And so kings, plural, stood up and honored God. Let's lift our hands right now and just praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, you're so wonderful and so great and so wonderful with your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for bringing the gospel, Lord, to us Gentiles. Praise God. Let me move on here in the word of the Lord. Amen. I just had to drop that, leave that with you. I want to go to uh, Luke chapter 2. And uh, this is where Jesus was born and he was brought into the temple on the eighth day. And uh, and whenever he was brought there to be named and circumcised on the Verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This is 2.25 here of Luke. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Jumping down to verse 27, I'm just trying to save time. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him in his arms. Now this Simeon took Jesus, baby Jesus, in his arms now. He took Jesus, took this baby Jesus, took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us, thou servant, depart in peace According to thy word. In other words, you, the Lord had told him, you won't die until you see the salvation of the Lord. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou preparedest before the face of all people. Look at verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Praise the Lord. And so here again it was pronounced that Jesus would be the light to the Gentiles and the Gentiles would now be able to become part of this wonderful family of God that God had told Abraham way back there that you're going to be a special people. Now God is revealing and going to reveal his secret that he would also do that with the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. So uh, these truths here were beginning to be revealed. Praise God. Now look at Romans eleven twenty five. Romans eleven twenty five. I think if I can get to it. Praise God. All right. Paul writing here said, For I would not, brother, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. What happened was that whenever Jesus came as a light to the Jews and to the Gentiles, the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And when they did, they began to lose what they had a right to have. And so they began to slip away from that and they began to lose it. And God, you know, told them that they should not have lost it and couldn't, did not have to lose it. But they were beginning to lose it. And so the Lord turned to the Gentile. When Jesus had finished his life on earth and he had completed his ministry on this, in this earth and he had been crucified and he had rose the, the third day and he was on earth for 40 days. Now it was time for him to go to heaven. This is what he says here in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Mark 16, 15. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. And he said to them, these are his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now it's to all the world. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Jumping down to verse 19, just to save time. So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, set on the right hand of God. Now, I'm pointing all of these things out to you here to show you, praise the Lord, that Jesus at the very end said when the Jews had rejected him as the Messiah and they had turned away from him and they were not 
he was going to turn totally to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles from them would come the people of God. Would come the people of God. Praise the Lord. In the meantime, that early church went and got started. And it was all Jews. All Jews. And those Jews, uh, they uh, got saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And it began to spread. And Jews were getting saved all over the place. They say that there was somewhere between five and 10,000 Jews that were in Jerusalem to start with, and they began to spread out in Jerusalem that were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And the church was growing. But Israel as a nation did not accept Jesus as the Messiah yet. They wouldn't receive him. So there was these Christian Jews that would receive Jesus. And uh, you know the story. I taught it last week. I spoke about it, about Jesus, about Peter going to Cornelius' house. He was a Gentile, and he went to Cornelius' house, preached unto the Gentiles, and he, he took with him seven other men with him that were Jews, and they went to Cornelius' house. He was preaching to the house of Cornelius, which was a, a, the, the multiple family that had been gathered in his home. And while he was preaching to them, they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell on all of those Gentiles, Gentiles. And now God was pouring out the Spirit of God on the Gentiles. And so they received the Holy Ghost. And he said, now I understand that God is going to save the Gentiles as well as the Jews because you have received the Holy Ghost just like we received it. And then he commanded them, the Bible says in that 10th chapter, to be baptized in the verse 48. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they were baptized. Now, in chapter 11 of that book of Acts, he goes back to Jerusalem, Peter does, and he tells the Jewish people what happened. And he said, these seven men here were witnesses that these people all spoke with tongues, just like we did on the day of Pentecost. So the Lord has saved them like he saved us. So the Gentiles now can be saved just like we can be saved, okay? But there were Jews that were believers that said, yeah, we believe they can be saved, but they still got to be circumcised, the men, and, and, and they have to keep the law. And they've got to be able to keep the law. The temple was still standing, I guess, maybe, maybe even doing sacrifices. I don't know. Jesus Christ was the only, was the final sacrifice of all sacrifices. He was the one and only. And so there were Jews who were saved who were still saying that, no, these Gentiles need to measure up to these things. Paul was called and saved, and the Lord sent him out preaching the gospel, and he went out and preached the gospel. Now, I've got a, got a map here. I'm going to show you this. This is, a, this is a map. I know you don't have a copy of that in your hand. This is Italy. You can recognize the boot here, the Sicily. This is Greece right in here, this lower part. This right here today is Turkey. But back then it was called Asia. And it, was, it had all kinds of different parts and places in it and everything. And this was Palestine down in here. You can see Harley Sea, the Sea of Galilee, and the Dead Sea right here. This is Palestine right in here. And Jerusalem is right here. Now, I'm going to give you uh, a map that will show it up a little closer here. And uh, what happened is when Paul was converted and he went out preaching, he went out preaching first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, and he found out the Jews were receptive. So they were in, in the place called Antioch here. And they went out and preached. And Paul and, and uh, Barnabas went all down in here preaching, people getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and all Gentiles. They'd go to the synagogues first. And then when the Jews rejected it, they'd go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles was receiving the gospel and getting saved. And they went all through these towns here. They went to, to Perga and to, uh, to uh, Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And uh, all through here, and then they backtracked and went back through here and came back to Antioch again and would declare to the church, these Gentiles are getting saved and God's doing miracles among them. It was amazing. 
God was doing exactly what he had said that he was going to do from way back in that Old Testament through those prophets like, like Isaiah. And Paul began to say, God is doing a work among the Gentiles. But these Jews said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't quite. I'm So I'm going to pick up here in Acts chapter 14, chapter 15 and 1. Looking with me in Acts 15, 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's what they were saying. They, were, they believed in being saved, but you had to do that. Verse 2. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dis, dissension and dip, disputation with them, that means that Paul and Barnabas says, no, 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 no. That's not the way it happens. God is pouring out his spirit. All they've got to do is turn to God and God will give them the Holy Ghost. Forget all those other things keeping the law. And they, uh, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain, that's the church now at Antioch, and certain of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Now, in the Bible, I'm just saying this for what it's worth. In the Bible, when you go to Jerusalem, it's always up. Now, they came south, and so we would say in, in American lingo, we'd say they went down. Because you go south, you go up, going to north. Isn't that the way it is? But in the Bible, everything is up to Jerusalem. You know, I don't care where you go from, it's always up to Jerusalem. Everybody got that just in case. So when you read to hear this, go up to Jerusalem. That's, uh, they were in Antioch and they went south, but they went up to Jerusalem. Now, look at verse uh, 2. I, I read that one. Well, look at verse 4. And when they were come to Jerusalem, this is 15 forward out of Acts. When they were come to Jerusalem... They were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. The apostles now are, you know, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and those 12 that followed Jesus when he, in his earthly ministry. Uh, all except Judas is cured, of course. He was, he's dead now. And of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them, how God had done all these miracles. But, look at verse 5, but, there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Believed means that they were Christians. They were saved. And they were of the Pharisees. They had come out of Phariseeism. Been one of the Pharisees when they were, they were Jews, of course. And so, but there arose certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. You see the dissension now that's starting to happen and develop here in the early church. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider uh, of this matter. Now, I won't read this because it's too much. But on the seventh verse, it says, When there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said. And what Peter did was to tell them again all over how God had saved those people in Antioch uh, those the, 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 those uh, house of Cornelius and had filled them all with the Holy Ghost just like he had done us and he says if God did that for them like that then I don't think that we need to we don't need to lower anything else on them because it's obvious that God is saving those Gentiles without them having to keep the law so that's what he he concluded verse 12 I'm reading verse 12 here then all the multitude kept silence gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Now, whenever he, they had finished that, verse 13, and after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Now, James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Peter was the chief apostle, and he traveled a lot. But James was the pastor of that big church in Jerusalem. And James answered, saying, and when James began to speak, he went on and said pretty well the same thing that Peter said, that Peter had said, we don't need to lay anything else on them, but let's just tell them to just be good, walk with God. And uh, verse 17, that the residue of the men might seek after God and all Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord. 
doth all these things. Now, look at verse 19. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them. That's the Gentiles. And he just says in verse 20, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Now, we're going to take, stay away from that. And then verse 22, then please it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own to Antioch with Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, uh, surnamed Barnabas and, si- and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they went there and they said, this is what the apostles have said. And they went then back up here to Antioch where that they told him. And it was from there then that they would go forth and they went out, Paul went out on his second missionary journey and people got saved. Thousands of people got saved. Churches were established. Everything later on, he went on a third missionary journey and so forth. Now I'm telling you all of that to say here that this was a battle that was going on at that time. And so these Jews were trying to hold it back. Now I've got it put, I've got, uh, in the scriptures here, let me get back to this chart here that you've got, this paper that you've got in your hand. Whoa. It went off. Power. I guess I kicked a plug. I don't know what I did. Well, anyhow, you've got one in your hand. There it is. It's coming on, I guess. guess I, I guess I don't know <laughs> maybe it's not but you've got one in your hand everybody got one in your hand and maybe this will come on in a few moments here but notice here on uh, number two here that Israel as a nation rejected Christ he was prophesied by Jesus be Jesus's commandment to his disciples to go to the Gentiles uh, oh thank you And then uh, see, some early Christian Jews rejected the, the Gentiles as being saved except through the Old Testament law. And that's what we just read. Now, I'm going to go to number three here. Look at number three. Much of Paul's writings in the New Testament, and he wrote 14 epistles. The epistles are letters. That's what the word epistle means, the letters. He wrote 14 epistles or letters and was defending this position of not having to keep the law to be saved. And this is found all through his writings where he says you don't have to keep the law to be saved. Now, I'm going to go to Ephesians here, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, look with this in verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, Wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. He's writing now to the Ephesians who are, who are Gentiles now, Gentile church. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Not by the law, but by grace. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, which is the unearned favor of God. God's favor to us when we have not earned it and we don't even deserve it, but he's given it to us. In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. That is, we believe by believing us, believing and obeying the word of God in believing, that is repentance, baptism, and water in Jesus' name, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, by our faith then, then that grace of God is applied. Grace is, God, is Calvary, the shedding of the blood, the giving of his life that we might be saved. Praise the Lord. Jumping down now to verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision, that is the Jews, in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you were not part of it, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, 
Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye have sometimes, ye that were sometimes far off are made nigh or near by the blood of, of Christ. So I'm just pointing out to you here that this great mystery that, uh, that they talked about over that in that Old Testament that Paul referred to so much. He was saying, I understand that mystery, and that is that anybody that can be, anybody can be saved. Now, I just want to add this to all of us here today, folks. Nobody has to be lost, not now. Praise the Lord. I don't care whether you're Jew or Gentile, anybody can be saved. But especially for us Gentiles, because 99% of us, 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 of all of us are Gentiles. And we, we are saved by grace. We have no, we have not Abraham as our father, except that he is a father of faith and we're the children of faith. So in that sense of the word, we are the children of Abraham through faith. But I am pointing out to you here that we have no right to any of that, but through God's great love and grace, he's allowed us to be saved and nobody has to be lost. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you came from. I don't care who your, your mother, your dad, your grandpa, your great-grandpa, your ancestry. I don't care who they were or where they came from or what their background was. I don't care what your background was. You can be saved. You can have the hope of heaven. You can have that promise that's been given to the people of God all through the Old Testament and especially in the New Testament when it was revealed more what God was going to do and how he was going to pour out his spirit. Praise the Lord. And so the Holy Ghost is being poured out. I love our services. Uh, I, I'm sort of glad we're going to one service now on Sunday morning because a lot of people, I've gotten, I've gotten calls and letters. Not letters, I've gotten calls and, and texts, like it is, in, in my cell phone. That we're glad that you're going to one service, praise the Lord. We look forward to that and all those kind of things. I'm pointing all that out, folks, to us here today because I want you to know that we need to be together. And when we come together, don't stay home. Come to church. Praise the Lord. Put forth the effort and be in the house of God and come and worship God and glorify God and lift up the name of Jesus and praise the Lord. And one of these days, that trumpet will sound and we'll rise to meet the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, hallelujah. Yes, absolutely. I've got one more last little thought I want to leave with you. Verse number, I mean, number four here. Look at Romans eleven twenty-five. Romans eleven twenty-five. Let's see here. Okay. Hang on a minute. I'll get to it in a minute. All right. Look at Romans 11. I'm going back to that 25th verse. I'm going to read it again to you. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Until. And so all Israel shall be saved. Look at that. So when it's all said and done, even God's going to bring the Jews back into his favor. So as we Gentiles come down close to the end of our dispensation of salvation, God is going to bring the Jews back into his favor. And it says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So God has promised that he's going to do that. And this is what the book in Romans talks all about. It even starts out in chapter 11 of Romans where it says, I say then hath God cast away his people, God forbid, for I am also an Israelite, the seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. God, verse 2, hath not cast away his people. That's not in your notes, but that's in uh, Isaiah chapter 11. And he goes on to say here that God, praise the Lord, is going to raise Israel up one day. Now, I'm going very quickly here. My time is getting away. It's about gone. 
Look at Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. Revelation 10 and chapter 7. Uh, verse 7. Revelation 10. 7. I don't know why 17 is there. That's, that's an error there. That's, that, that should be 7, not 17. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. This is over here in Isaiah now. This is after the rapture has taken place. After the rapture. Now, let me show you something. This is a timeline. This is the Old Testament here. This is Adam. This is Calvary. That's the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. This is the rapture of the church here. This yet to happen. We are living along about right here, right in here. This candlestick represents seven golden candlesticks, represents the church age. And so we are living here toward the end of it. Now, this would be about 2,000 years long. We know that. Hosea 6.2, sometimes you want to read it, Hosea 6.2. Read it for yourself, it'll tell you that. And then God's going to turn back to the Jews, and that's what this is talking about here. The rapture takes place, and the world will enter into the tribulation period, a very serious time of judgment that I won't get into and talk about it. But God, at that time, is going to raise up the Jews again to be his people, and he is going to establish them and they're going to be his people for a thousand years, called the thousand years of peace, called the millennial period here that's yet to come. So while we're here in this timeline and the tribulation period is coming, right along here in the early part of it, God decides that he's going to bring the Jews back in his favor. I'm going to read that seventh verse again. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants, the prophets. That's the Gentiles being saved as well. How do you know it's that, Brother Myers? Look at chapter 11, verse 1. This is only four verses later, five verses later. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple... Leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. That's three and a half years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. I won't get into the detail about the two witnesses, but it goes on to talk about it'll be Moses and Elijah who will come back to this earth. And for three and a half years, they will preach to the Jews, Jesus was your Messiah. And you never knew it. You'll turn their hearts back to the Lord. This is, I'm reading here from Zechariah 12, 10. This is where God is also working that he is going to bring them back into his favor. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. See, that's what we have. We have the grace of God that's in our favor. I will pour upon them the spirit of grace. And of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. That's Jesus when he was nailed to the cross. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So what I'm doing here is pointing out to you scriptures here that has to do with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Uh, coming back into favor with Jews. Look over here in Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 28. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity. That happened in 70 AD. Among the heathen, but I have gathered them into their own land and have left none of them any more there. That means Jews are scattered all over the world today, but they're going to be brought back. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord. And so what I am simply doing here is showing you scriptures 
the verses where God has, is saving these Jews and will save them. And one last verse that I'm going to read to you here, and this is uh, one that's found over here in Romans 11 and uh, 25, I guess. I, uh, I'm going to, oh, I don't know. I don't read that. But anyhow, I'm just letting you know here that the Lord is going to turn Israel back to him. Praise the Lord. So the message to us is that this is our time of salvation. God's going to turn one day back to the Jews. He will. And he's going to bring the Jews back into his favor. It's all that. And if I were to read on into Revelation, it tells all about it, how they're going to do it, how God's going to do all those great things and everything like that. But God has promised you and I that one day he's coming back. And folks, we're right here. We're close to the coming of the Lord. And when they go into the tribulation period, God will turn back to the Jews. No more Gentiles will be saved in this tribulation period. From verse 7, no more Gentiles. No more Gentiles are saved. No more. Only Jews, and God will raise them up. But here, praise the Lord, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Anybody can still be saved. I don't care who they are. You can be saved if you're not saved. And God, don't lose what you have. If you've got the Holy Ghost, hang on to it. Don't love the world. Don't go back to those things out there. But hold fast to Jesus Christ with all of your heart. And folks, you and I have the privilege of knowing what the mystery was that God had way back in the very beginning of time. That one day he was going to include the Gentiles. That they would also could be saved. And here we are today. And God has kept his promise. He keeps his word. I don't care what it is. And let us always give him the praise and glory for it. Let's stand together and praise his name. Would you with me right now? Let's just stand together and praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we love you so much. God, you're so good. You're so good to your people. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be part of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the church that you've established on the earth. Thank you, Jesus, for Calvary. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you, Lord, for giving your life for us that we might be saved. Thank you, Jesus, that you reached down in the miry clay and you brought us out. And, Lord, we were from all walks of life and all kinds of backgrounds. And some of us were into a lot of mess and trouble. But you brought us out, Jesus, and you put our feet on solid rock. And one day, God, you're going to sound the trumpet. Lord, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. So shall we ever, ever, ever be with the Lord. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed in his name. You've been a good audience. And I've enjoyed teaching you here.